0: Good morning. Uh, if, I, if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, I encourage you open to Romans chapter 9. If you need a Bible, there are Bibles in seat racks in front of you uh, to use today. If you need a Bible for your home, take that Bible home with you. I uh, appreciate the, just the song that we just sang um, uh, i 've heard it said that like we do more lying in our hymn singing than we do anywhere else in the church because sometimes we sing a song passionately, I need you, oh, I need you, uh, but as soon as we walk out of church we don 't need anything but ourselves, right so in some ways, when we sing these songs like they 're prayers too, Lord, I know I need you, help me to know that I need you uh, you know there you, you could imagine a uh, a, 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 um, a catfish living in a local Iowa stream, feeling very burdened by the uh, audacious responsibility to always have to live in water, and they want to be free of the authority of water, and so they you know, can kind of wiggle themselves up onto shore and kind of get above and sit on land, and they're finally free. No longer are they abound by the authority of water. And yet we know that they would die. And so this idea of coming to understand our need for God in our lives, the need to be nourished by his grace and sustained by him, as that song says, you know, I need you, oh, I need you for everything, my life, my righteousness, my breath. And that is uh, so. again, we we pray it, and we pray that it becomes a reality uh, to us. one, just to walk but uh, personally before the Lord. But today we're talking not just about kind of our personal walk with the Lord, but being a part of God's mission for the world. I um, just want to just remind people uh, of, of two kind of, I would say, major initiatives that we believe that God's called us to be a part of this year. Uh, one of them is we would love to see God give birth to a church in Anamosa, Iowa called Risen Hope Church. And uh, by God's mercy, Risen Hope Church is going to start doing public worship services on Sunday nights at 4 p.m. And, but today, it's not public. It's semi-public. And they're inviting you to come and just pray for the work that God is doing in Animosa. And the address for that is in, in the bulletin. Um, how many of you have ever been a part of a church plan? How have you ever been at the first Sunday of a church plan? 85% of the room has an opportunity to be at something you've never been a part of. Today, to come and pray. Uh, You can join them next week. This week is more of a prayer worship service. Next week is their first kind of, you might call it normal-ish service. But there's an opportunity for you to come and support them. Uh, They also would love for some volunteers in these early... The first hundred days, they're going to need some childcare workers, help with set up and tear down there. And so, Ken Seide, would you stand up? There's Ken. Ken would let you serve that church. <laughs> and he has sign-ups in different ways that you could come You know, once a month over the next couple of months, or you could come every week. But we would love to be a part of that and pray and serve and see God's face for Risen Hope Church. The second initiative, as we're thinking about being a part of God's mission for the world, is we are wanting to invite people to great things this year. And we are really pushing five great things. There's more than five great things, but these five are pretty great. Uh, One, we want you to invite people to your table, uh, to your dining room table, to your kitchen table, to uh, your end table, to a table at Starbucks, to a table at Outback. Um, But uh, there are so many lonely people without friendships, without truth, without anyone to care for them. It is a great place for you to sit down at a table, look them in the eye, and say, I care about you. Tell me your story. We want to see people invite people into their groups. We want particularly the place where the gods, God is honored and people are honored. So you know, a Bible study, a small group. And for you to invite someone to your group is saying, come in to a place where God is honored and people are honored. We want to see you also invite people to serve with you. Now, By the way, first step, if you're not serving, you can't invite someone to serve with you. <laughs> but... Uh, where you're serving, invite someone to serve with you. If you're going somewhere to pray, invite someone. Hey, I'm going to go to Anamosa this afternoon at 4 p.m. to pray. I invite you. Come with me. We also want you to invite people to church. Invite people to the gathered people of God on a Sunday morning. And we also want you to have opportunities to invite people to Christ, to invite people to start a relationship with God. And one of the reasons why we're really celebrating these is we want to see us step together in faith and just to remind you there right by the offering table just outside this door there is this wonderful tree and inside the tree there's this growing collection of acorns and every time you invite someone put an acorn in we just want to see god take these little seeds of faith to do his work let's be on mission together i'm going to pray then i'll read romans 9 and then we'll dig in father in heaven thank you for uh, the reminder of that song and of this day of how desperately we are in need of you. Uh, We're worse than fish out of water. Um, We know that apart from you, there's death and judgment. Uh, Apart from you, there's no, no strength to do good, to love mercy and to do justice and to walk humbly. We know that apart from you, Uh, We will just continue to be uh, fighting to be king of the hill and leave a wake of sorrow and pain and broken relationships in our wake. And so, Lord, we truly need you. And so I would pray, God, that through your word, you would encourage us today. That We pray that by the singing uh, and the encouragement of the saints, you would build us up today. I pray, God, that you would give us hearts that care about you and hearts that love others We pray that we would be faithful to you and to your purposes. For the sake and the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. I'd like to read to you Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. Uh, This is God's word. The Apostle Paul writes, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. Theirs, the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. It is not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. This is God's word. I'm just going to describe a couple of different people, uh, and maybe you find yourself more like one of these people uh, than the other. Uh, You may... Be like a mom named Kathy, a number of kids, but right now her heart is really burdened for her fourteen-year-old daughter. Uh, brought her daughter up in the church, wanting to uh, see her daughter love God and care about uh, the scriptures and to walk in obedience to Jesus Christ, uh, but has hit that hit a, hit a, a snag. <laughs> where the daughter just seems to care more about um, her life, her friends, her world, and her mom's heart is breaking. And, you know, do I put my foot down and say, like, you got to do these things? Or do I, do I just kind of give up and and hope that my daughter comes back at another time? Uh, Or maybe you're more like a guy named Tom. Tom is 52 years old. And because he's done so well in business, he can retire in six months, financially secure and Tom's been involved in a church most of his life, volunteered at different times in youth ministry and adult ministry, uh, but admittedly, Tom is just tired, and Tom wants to go to the beach and would like to say no to all church responsibilities forever. But then there's 35-year-old Drew. 35-year-old Drew was actually a youth pastor right out of college, was passionate about God, on fire for God, but at age thirty, kind of, kind of lost his heart for youth ministry, lost kind of his passion, and kind of went back, went into the marketplace, and he, he's he's beginning to, you know, he kind of started in the job, was still excited about God, talked about Jesus a lot. Five years into his job, no one talks to Drew anymore, <laughs> and he's kind of wondering, like, how do I? Maybe Christianity isn't that helpful. Or encouraging for people, maybe he uh, maybe I should just uh, watch more uh, reruns of the office and talk about it at work what, what i 'm just describing is there are, are times where people are motivated and encouraged to be on mission for God, and then there 's those bumps in the road where you 're just like ah oh, it 's hard and one of the things I want us to see as we walk through. Uh, this passage in Romans 9, is to see the the things that fueled the Apostle Paul to be on mission. I, I want us to see what are the things that kept him going. Um, some of you guys know that fuel is blended. And when fuel is blended, rightly, it, it helps uh, engines go, whether it's your, your lawnmower or your Acura. And I want to talk about kind of a three-blended fuel to stay engaged on mission. Uh, And I want to start with just this first aspect. If if we're going to stay engaged with God on mission, serving him about his purposes, the first thing I want you to see about the Apostle Paul that could be true of us is that we have to have sacrificial love. These first couple of verses need some explanation, but at the heart of it is you have a man, if you catch this in the first three verses, his heart... Breaks for his kinsmen. Uh, the, the, those of you who don't know, um, the Apostle Paul was a lifelong Jewish person, born of the tribe of Benjamin. He grew up in in synagogue. He was a a person who would worship at the temple in Jerusalem, uh, and then. Uh, you know kind of midlife crisis he encounters the risen christ and he begins to see he is the messiah the long promised king that god had sent his people uh, conquered death made forgiveness available and now life with god and he is passionate on mission taking the, the the message to the ends of the earth that jesus reigns that salvation is possible everybody believe in him and if you've been with us early in the summer, we walk through Romans uh, chapters 1 through 8. And uh, let me just remind you that when he gets to Romans chapter 8, just understanding the context of where in Romans 9, in Romans 8, he is kind of at this crescendo of God's amazing promises to save people, that people are adopted and brought into God's family, they are son and daughters of the living God, that there's no condemnation anymore for people who trust in God, that he has chosen his people, he's going to protect his people. And the very last verses of Romans chapter 8, say this i'm in verse 37 so this is the end he says no in all these things we speaking about believers christians we are more than conquerors through him christ who loved us he says for i am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of god that is in christ jesus our lord Like, that's mic drop good. You're that secure in God. His promises are that good. But he knows, as soon as he writes that, that there's people in the original audience going, but I thought he made promises like that to Israel. Didn't he make promises like that to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? And, you know, they're looking around, like, in that church, first century church in Rome, most of them not Jewish. Very few, in fact. And it actually causes controversy. We're going to talk about that when we get to Romans chapter 14. And so he knows that there's this question going on. Well, if God's so good, why? What about Israel? Has God blown them off, Paul? Have you blown them off? I mean, I don't know if you know, Paul's specific ministry was to be a gospel bearer to Gentile people, non-Jewish. And Paul knows that some are reading this little missive, this little letter, and saying, you don't like Jews, do you, Paul? That's why it seems like such a hard transition, where he's like, like, all right, full stop. Let me tell you something. I'm speaking the truth. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is like, I swear, I swear, I swear. And what does he swear? My heart breaks for my people. Like, I absolutely love my people. It, it keeps me up at night. It it, it it There's this burden in my heart that the Israelite people of God would see and come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior too. God's not abandoned them, and I've not abandoned them. I'm, and there's this—he's—notice the, his sacrificial love is so intense. Verse 3, he says, I could wish— that I were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race. Paul's like, you know, if I could go to hell for them, I would do it. And this is reminiscent, if you pick up your Bibles, go back to Exodus chapter 32, 33, and 34. Moses says something very similar when God pronounces judgment on Israel for their little pagan revelry at the bottom of Mount Sinai and God actually says to Moses, Moses, let's just wipe those guys out and I'll just do stuff with you. And Moses is like, no. No, take me out, Lord, rather than bring judgment on your people. Now, Paul knows as well as we know that uh it doesn't work that way. <laughs> right, Paul's Paul dying in the place of Israel doesn't isn't going to help anybody. Paul is a sinner. Paul is finite. There's nothing about him being cursed or dying that's going to have any sort of deep value uh, for the Israelites in regards to their salvation. But the reason why he says something like this is he knows the one who could do that and did it. Right? Paul knows that his Savior Jesus Christ did exactly that. That Jesus took the curse so that people could have the blessing. That Jesus took death so that people could have life. Jesus took the punishment of sin so that people could have the promises of forgiveness. And because he knows the Jesus who sacrificed like that, there's something in his own heart that says, I would love just like my Savior if it would do any good. (laughs) If it would do any good. Just a couple of uh, things I want to say here that's really important on this. Um, One, I want you to know that but based on what Paul is showing here, it, it, is, it is so normal, it is so uh natural to have a deep love for people like you. Uh, I, I say that because we've we've kind of we're in this kind of strange, like really woke sort of world that like you can't say that I love my own people, because then people are like, well, then you don't like my people. Um, that's not what Paul's saying here. I mean, Paul is saying. I'm an Israelite. I love Israelites. I'm passionate to see Israelites. There was a famous missionary by the name of John Knox who was from Scotland. And he was trying to help people in Scotland come to know Jesus. And the people in power in Scotland threw him out of, Eng- threw him out of Scotland and they sent him to England. They're like, quit talking about Jesus. And so he kept praying for Scotland and preaching about Jesus in, in, in England. And England got mad and they threw him <laughs> to Geneva. But he kept praying, and God eventually brought him back to Scotland. But this is one of his mantras. He said, Give me Scotland or I die. And so, to have a, a passion for people like you is so okay. So, if you're an immigrant from Mexico, it's okay to have a passion to see people from Mexico come to know Jesus. If you're a black man from Alabama, You might have a particular desire to see black boys and black girls grow up in good homes. If your great-grandma was from Norway, you might read and pray for Norway with a measure of intentionality. It's okay. I appreciate Pastor John Stott put it this way. He said, membership of the Christian brotherhood and of God's holy nation does not cancel out natural ties of family and nationality. I mean, I think that's why when Becky Bell prayed earlier, she prayed for our country. If this isn't your country, it's okay. But for those who've grown up, to pray for your country is a good thing and to have a heart for your people. Now, it shouldn't mean you hate other countries. Oh, God forbid. But it's okay. The issue is, is there this sacrificial love for other people? Just by way of application, do you pray That God breaks your heart for people who don't yet know Jesus. Uh, And sometimes maybe you want to test your heart. Well, do I sacrificially love people? Uh, Let me just encourage you look at how you spent money in 2023. And maybe if you want to move in having sacrificial love toward people in 2024, you sit down and look at your budget, you talk to your spouse, and you say, how can we increase our giving to people who don't yet, who are trying to reach people who don't know Jesus by 2%, by 5%, by 10%? Like, what is it to show financially I have sacrificial love for people who don't yet know Jesus? After you look at your, you know, your, your big statements, then look at your calendar. I appreciate uh, there's been a number of people in this church over the years that will set aside an evening once a week to invite people who are unattached to Christ or a church to their home for a meal. And they say, once a week, this night, is to make sure that someone unattached to a church or unattached to Christ is going to meet someone who loves God and just wants to be their friend. That's an example of someone who has sacrificial love to prioritize people who don't yet know Jesus. This was Paul modeling, example of deep love for God. By the way, throwing out something about prayer, one of the things that I love about the the Christians in Korea is that most Christian churches in Korea have a prayer meeting every single morning at 5 a.m. in their church. And most of the church shows up, most of the time in their pajamas. Because <laughs> they don't care what people think, but they do care to pray. So those are ways in which sacrificial love would show up in our lives, in what we give and how we use our time and and how we pray. If we have sacrificial love, that's part of the fuel blend in order to be on mission. But it's not just heart, it also is head. We need to have a sacrificial heart, that's part of the fuel blend to be on mission for God. We also have to have spiritual understanding. And I want you to see what Paul is explaining that we need to understand in verses 4 through 6. He's just mentioned about his heart for his own people. Verse 4, the people of Israel. And he begins explaining something about the people of Israel. That is, theirs is the adoption to sonship. They were set apart by God to be his son on the earth. Uh, Theirs is the divine glory. And that could be speaking about that on different occasions, God's manifest presence would show up in their midst. Uh, they have the covenants, so that could be the covenant given to Abraham, the covenant to to Moses, uh, the promise of the new covenant. Uh, they, they received the law. They had the temple worship. They were given multiple promises. Verse 5, it says they had patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, or the Christ, who is God over all, forever praised, amen. But then he says, but it's not as though God's word had failed, for not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. Here's something Paul wants the the folks in Rome and now us to understand, and it's this. Spiritual privileges do not guarantee a spiritual salvation. Spiritual privileges do not guarantee a spiritual salvation. Uh, I know from reading the book... (laughs) A revelation that God's has a purpose and a plan for Israel for all time, their names are written on the gates and the new heaven and new earth. they are going to be god they, they have a special place in god's heart forever. If you want to pick up your Bible this week, you can read in, in jeremiah thirty one listen to these verses jeremiah thirty one verses thirty five through thirty seven This is what the Lord says, he who appoints the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves war, the Lord Almighty is his name. He says, only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will Israel ever cease being a nation before me. This is what the Lord says, only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out, will I reject all the descendants of Israel because of all they have done, declares the Lord. So what Jeremiah is saying is how certain is Israel's status before God? It's as certain as the sun and the moon in the sky. Like there's a special place. And yet at the same time in Romans 9, though they have these great spiritual privileges and promises, it doesn't guarantee that they'll all be saved. And that's why he uses that line, not all Israel is Israel. Right? Not all of the people promised to be saved will end up being saved. We, we, we could say it this way, it's not all Christians are Christians. Can we admit that? How many of you thought you were a Christian before you became a Christian? Am I the only one? I mean, I thought I was for a really long time. And then I, holy smokes, I think I'm a sinner. <laughs> and so, well, well, Paul is trying to help the, the people in Rome understand, uh, especially the ones who are like pushing back against, well, what about God's promises to Israel? What about their chosen people? He's Paul's going to get into this. In, in future uh, weeks, we'll look at this. Like, God still has a plan and purpose for Israel that He's working out. And, and within the people of Israel, within ethnic Israel, then in the first century and now in the 21st century, He's drawing some people to Himself. And it's exciting that God is faithful to keep His word to Israel. His word has not failed to them, it's, it's actually gone about just as He has planned. But they, at no point, should they assume or presume on their privileges. I mean, I can think about it in, in my own family. I mean, look, I was just thinking back. I, I have a lot of, I would say, privileges, spiritual privileges. My mom grew up in a kind of a, a godly, God-fearing Methodist home. My dad grew up in a kind of an upstanding Presbyterian home. And then they they, they, they married and they raised us in some sort of quasi-Christian Home and took us to Sunday school, and those have been great spiritual privileges. I had a number of really good Sunday school teachers. I got to play an angel in the Christmas program. I think I got to be a sheep once. I never got to be a Joseph. They saw that maybe I would hit someone with the stick or something. You know, but out of my own, even in my own family, with all those great spiritual privileges. Only two of the four kids growing up in my home are walking with God today. And that's just my own home. And I don't know what your home is like, that you can have a lot of spiritual privileges and and opportunities, but end up not experiencing God's salvation. Uh, And so I would just encourage you, one, don't presume for yourself. Don't presume. Turn to Christ. There's a... Uh, There's different verses in the Bible that scare me more than others. Can I I admit that publicly? I just did. Um, But Jesus at the end of the Sermon on the Mount says, Many people will say to me on that day of judgment, Lord, Lord, did I not do great things in your name? And it says, Jesus will say to them, I never knew you. And one of the ways that I try to respond to that verse alone is I just every now and again say, Jesus, I'm Matt Proctor. I'd like you to know me, and I'd like you to forgive me of my sin. And I'd like to walk in a right relationship with you. And I'd like you to keep my heart to be constantly repenting that it doesn't grow hard or stubborn, but I would be soft to your word. That way when I get to heaven, Jesus is never going to say... I never knew you because I've introduced myself to him a lot. (laughs) But don't presume for yourself. Come to the Lord. Give him your hearts. Confess your sin. And I would say don't presume uh, for yourself, but also don't assume on others. It will 99 times out of 100, Make things awkward when you ask someone, do you have a relationship with Jesus? But is it worth it? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and no one comes to the Father but through me. And so if we're not going to assume on other people, at some time we're going to have that awkward conversation. But it's like good awkward I don't, uh, I, we talked to, had some couples over last night. We shared a little bit about how we proposed to our, to our now wives. That's an awkward conversation. Because you're like, I think this is going to go okay. I really hope this is going to go okay. But you know, you're hanging yourself out there. But it's worth it. That's a, that's a good conversation to have. And let me, those of you who maybe are dating right now, uh, they'll talk to the men dating. Like, don't assume she's going to say yes. Really sweep her off her feet, men. Right? But don't assume where people are at with the Lord. Ask, where are you? It, it, we need sacrificial love in the f- fuel blend to be on mission. We need, we need a spiritual understanding of just the reality of sin and death and hell and people in and some are out. But I want to say that there's something even more important. Those are important, head and hearts. Uh, The last thing, the third piece to the fuel blend to be on mission is this. It's that it's just you have an all-consuming passion for the glory of Jesus Christ. An all-consuming passion for the glory of Jesus Christ. Notice what happened in verse 5. I mean, Paul is just writing theology. And he's talking about Israel and they have patriarchs. Oh, and from them is the, the human ancestry, the, uh, the Messiah, the Christ. And then just, he stops. And he just has to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, just by mentioning Jesus Messiah, Jesus the Christ, he has to stop. And he's like, who is God over all, forever blessed, amen. I mean, he's just, just mentioning Jesus' name, he's, he's overwrought to say God over Glory to God. Glory to the Son. The main fuel to be on God's mission is to have this all consuming passion for the world to know and love Jesus Christ. It has, it'll, it has to start in our own soul and then it spreads out to the city. Now, admittedly, this is like exactly the opposite for when we all start. Like, we are all born bent on ourselves. We have an all-consuming passion for our own happiness and our own self-exaltation. I want to be the center of the universe. And you want to be the center of the universe, which is why I don't like you. You want to be the king of the hill. I want to be adored. You want to be worshipped. And the Bible calls this pride. It's evil. It's the world upside down, right? We're made to worship and adore God. Instead, we resist God and we seek our own glory. But what does God do? He sends his son to do what we never did. Jesus lived for God's glory all day, every day. Jesus served. He embraced the shadows. He loved the least and he died as a criminal. We tried to make ourselves high and exalted, but Jesus went low and took the role of a servant. Jesus becomes poor to make us rich. Jesus takes the curse to give us the blessing. And the moment your heart and your mind grasp this amazing good news, your world will turn right side up. You become happy to see Jesus to become greater and you to become less. You're happy to bury your former passions and dreams and instead build your budget and your calendar on God's priorities. Do you have an all-consuming passion? Uh, some of you may be familiar with a man by the name of William Booth. Uh, William Booth was the, one of the founders of the Salvation Army. Those of you who didn't know, Salvation Army started in the streets and the slums of London. I lose my microphone. Um, and I don't know, like they were in the streets and slums. They were talking about Jesus. They were trying to care for the poor. They were trying to minister, particularly to addicts and alcoholics. And the Salvation Army, when it first started, it was the laughing stock of London. Uh, they just thought that these people were crazy. <laughs> uh, William and his wife Catherine Booth. They ministered. They labored. Um, and after decades of faithfulness, Queen Victoria invited William Booth to her, to her court and wanted to speak with him. And she asked him questions like, Mr. Booth, why, why have you had so much success in saving sinners and seeing alcoholics set free? And it's been told that William Booth, with tears in his eyes, looking at Queen Victoria, said, I guess your majesty, it's because he, Jesus Christ, has all of me like the, he had this all-consuming passion to know and follow Jesus so much so he didn't care if polite society laughed at him and he didn't care if drunk bums threw up on him because he wanted Jesus to be known and loved now, that's what happened to the apostle paul right he tells us in a couple of different places in the Bible, he presumed on his Jewish privileges. But then God came and saved him through Jesus Christ. And then, hearts, then Paul's heart broke for his other privileged Israelite kinsmen. So much so, even though he was called by God to go be a minister to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, do you know what he did in every city when he got there? He went to the synagogue to just check in on see if any Jews might be interested in believing in Jesus Christ. He was called to the Gentiles, but he never forgot his people. And he faced, he he maybe wasn't accursed for the Israelites, but he was whipped, beaten, and they threw rocks at him. He was ridiculed, and he serves as an example of someone consumed with the glory of Jesus Christ. Three pieces, right I want to have a sacrificial heart i want to have a, i want to have spiritual understanding i want to have an all consuming passion for the glory of Jesus Christ. Now this kind of living is going to be demanding physically, emotionally, spiritually exhausting there's going to be anguish there's going to be disappointment there's going to be persecution, but you'll be more alive than ever before. One last story. Uh, This one's about uh, a man named David Livingston. Um, David Livingston was a a missionary, uh, gave his life to minister in the 19th century in Africa. And it was a a tough sledding. Um, But toward the end of his life, he was actually invited back to Cambridge, and they were asked a little bit about his his great service and all of his sacrifices for Jesus and he, this is what he had to say on December 4th 1857 he said for my own parts i have never ceased to rejoice that god has appointed me to such an office he was he rejoiced he says people talk of sacrifice I have been, I have made in spending so much of my life in Africa. That's what, they, that's what they say. But then he says, is that a sacrifice which brings its own blessed reward and healthful activity? The consciousness of doing good? Peace of mind and a bright hope of a glorious destiny hereafter? He says, away with the word and such a view and with such a thought. It is emphatically, <laughs> I say it emphatically, I made no sacrifice. Say rather that it is a privilege. Anxiety, sickness, suffering, or danger, now and then, with a foregoing of the common conveniences and charities of this life, these may make us pause and cause the spirit to waver and the soul to to sink. But let this only be for a moment. All these are nothing when compared with the glory which shall be revealed in and for us. He says, I never made a sacrifice. This would be my prayer for us as we begin 2024, that we would make God's mission our mission, no matter the cost. That we would make God's mission our mission, no matter the cost. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Um, Thank you that you have worked on people's hearts. Uh, Paul and William Booth and Many others, we pray, Lord, that you would do a work on our heart, that as we enter in whatever struggle we're facing right now, and we're worn out, we're tired, we're thinking about giving up, uh, that we would remember that it is no sacrifice to be on mission with the Lord God for his name's sake. Lord, give us sacrificial hearts, give us spiritual minds, Uh, give us a deep passion for the glory of Christ. Thank you for the work that you've done in 2023. And now we ask for your mercies in our lives, in our families, in our city, in our neighboring city in Amosa, that you would show mercy on these places. Help us to be found faithful in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.